I don't need that. Thanks, though. <laughs> How are you guys doing tonight? Are you excited that the semester is basically over? Yeah! Yeah! Are you excited that crew's over for the year? Oh, that's the right response. Good job, guys. Uh, seriously, though, if you've heard of Wegmans, I can never meet people out in Colorado who know what Wegmans is, so please come talk to me, and we can just gush over Wegmans together. Yeah. Do you know it? Yeah. You do? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about it, Jonathan. And if you want to know about Wegmans, come ask me, because it's amazing. All right, well, tonight we're going to be talking about how to steward your summer well. But before we talk about that, I think it's important to talk about how to steward your life. Um, so yeah, if you're anything like me, uh, or anything like most human beings, uh, you've probably wondered at some point or another different questions like, what should I do with my life? Or um, things that are kind of like subcategories of that question, like where should I live? Or where should I go to college? Uh, is it God's plan for me to get married or stay single? Uh, where should I take a job? Um, the list could go on and on. I think it's pretty common for people to just wonder what life um, has in store for them and what God wants them to do. Um, and these are all questions that I've personally struggled with, um, questions that maybe I've even agonized over at some points in my life. Um, and one decision that I vividly remember wrestling over um, and feeling really lost about was whether to transfer from uh, the first school that I was attending in Virginia and to transfer to UCCS. Um, I had recently uh, taken time off from college when I moved to Colorado, um, taking time off from my first school. And when I originally took time off from my first school, I had like total intent of, I'm just gonna take off a semester and then go back to my school in Virginia. But once I was here in Colorado, uh, all sorts of things like the mountains and um, just like different life changes that I was feeling were making me like really wonder, do I even wanna leave Colorado now? Um, and those thoughts were making me wonder, oh my goodness, like what if I make the wrong choice? Uh, what, if, what if I'm supposed to stay here but I go back? Or what if I'm supposed to go back but I stay here? What if I like mess up my entire life? Um, and I have a feeling that some of you have thought similar things, but um, yeah, I wished that I could just open up the Bible and that God would tell me the exact right choice to make through his word. But as you guys know, uh, the Bible doesn't talk about those very specific situations of where you should live and who you should marry and different things like that. Um, but as I thought through the specific life choice about if I should stay in Colorado or go back to my first school, um, yeah, God actually brought me a lot of clarity in that situation, and it's actually totally transformed my life of how I think about decision-making. Um, through scripture and through the godly counsel of others, um, I realized that through his words in scripture, he does tell us his grand plan for our lives, uh, how we can steward our time for him, um, and how we can dedicate our lives to him. Um, and what's really cool is that all of us can find out through scripture exactly what it is um, that he desires for us, why he created us. Um, so here it is. Uh, God's desire for your life is to be holy like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
for the glory of God. Um, and you'll actually see, we'll get to the sheets on the table in a little bit, but you'll kind of see that outline on your paper. Um, and we're just going to be talking about this for the rest of the night. Um, we're going to take a closer look at each portion of the sentence and then use it as a framework for you to see how you should steward your summer well. And hopefully, uh, you'll start using it as a framework for each area of your life. So before we dive in, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening. Um, and yeah, just one last night that we get to gather together um, before we all break off for our different summer plans. Uh, yeah, Father, we just are so thankful that you do have a plan for our lives, um, that you had purpose in creating us, um, and that it matters how we spend our time. Um, Father, I pray that you would uh, direct our hearts to how you want us to spend our time um, and help us, yeah, really utilize that with our summers. Um, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so... Uh, before we dive in, yeah, whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, uh, my hope for you guys tonight is that God would help you see that he is worth it, uh, that he loves you deeply and so desires you to live out his amazing plan for your life, which is to be holy like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. So let's look at the first portion of this, to be holy like Jesus. Um, we are actually commanded in scripture to be holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16 says, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. As part of this, we also see that God's will is for us to be sanctified. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, it says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Pretty simple, um, but there's a lot more meaning behind it. Uh, so the reason I brought up sanctification is that the words holy and sanctify are actually related words. They both represent the idea of being set apart. To sanctify something means to make it holy. So sanctification is the process where something goes from being unholy to holy. So when we see in 1 Thessalonians that God's will is for us to be sanctified, he is saying that his desire for us is to be set apart from the brokenness of this world and be like Christ, because God himself is holy. Pastor and author R.C. Sproul explains the word holy this way. God alone is holy in himself. The word holy is used as a synonym for his deity and calls attention to all that God is. It reminds us that his love is holy love, his justice is holy justice, his mercy is holy mercy, his knowledge is holy knowledge, and his spirit is holy spirit. And then in John 17, 18, 18 through 19, Jesus says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Here we see that Jesus set himself apart for God's purpose. Because Jesus set himself apart, we are to set ourselves apart. We are given the privilege of being holy because of what Christ has done for us. 
But here's the thing. Sanctification is not a once and done deal. It is a process that, makes, that takes place over the rest of a Christian's life. When you come to know the Lord and are redeemed from your sins, your sin may not be separating you from God anymore, but sin is still present in your life. That's where sanctification comes in. God wants us to stop making our sinful desires the king of our life and instead make him king of our life. I've heard it said that sanctification is the process to say yes to God and no to sin. Okay, so the second part, um, and don't worry about your sheets right now. That's actually going to be like the second portion of our message. Um, right now we're just going to kind of dissect the sentence um, of, yeah, to be holy like Jesus is holy um, and the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify God. Um, and then once we're done kind of dissect dissecting that, we're going to break it down with the sheet. Um, so anywho, the second portion of the sentence is, to be, holy, or, uh, to be holy through the power of his Holy Spirit. So, yeah, if you guys haven't realized yet, it's kind of impossible. It actually is. It's not kind of. It is. It's impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Um, honestly, yeah, to be Christ-like and conquer sin's rule in your life is impossible without enlisting the power of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, it says... In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So every single person who has a relationship with the Lord has the Holy Spirit as a helper. There's a reason why he's called a helper. Those who place their faith in Jesus and surrender their life to Jesus are given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And I want you guys to just, I mean, I'm sure you've thought about how amazing this is before, but I don't think we think about it enough. It's pretty incredible and mind-blowing that God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one ha who has no beginning and no end, the one who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and without sin, has given us mere mortals, the ones who can't seem to get it together, he has given us the third person of the Trinity to dwell within us and empower us, not to just live a nice life, but to live a life that's pleasing to him. In Galatians 3.3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Here, the author of Galatians, the Apostle Paul, is trying to help the Galatians understand and see, you didn't become a Christian in your own strength. So what makes you think that you can live out the Christian life in your own strength? I think that's a really good question to ask yourself, because I think a lot of times we are trying to live out the Christian life in our own strength. And yeah, if I'm being um, totally honest, I think a lot of times I am trying to live the Christian life and be like Christ in my own effort and in my own power. And it's no surprise that when I try it in my own strength, I fail time and time again, which leads to frustration, which then leads to wanting to just give up and give in to my sinful desires, which then finally leads to that dreadful, like I'm a failure sinking feeling in my gut. But the good news is, is God doesn't want that for us. Uh, this isn't what God desires for us at all. He gives us the incredible gift of the Holy Spirit for a reason. So imagine this scenario. Imagine I have an amazing car and 
it's safe and it's reliable and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and it does a great job from getting me from like point A to point B. And I take a look at my car and then I'm like, mm, I actually don't think I need that. And I'm planning on going to a trip to visit my family in Pennsylvania and I think I'll just like walk there <laughs> and not use my car. That would be incredibly stupid. Um, it would be incredibly stupid to just try in my own effort and say, yep, I don't need my car. So I think that we do this in a spiritual sense. Rather than using the gift of the spirit which, we, uh, which God has given us, we often just go about life basically forgetting that we have this amazing gift to help us in our walk with the Lord. And the bottom line is we can experience intimacy with God and enjoy all he has for us if we fail to depend on his spirit. So if we're thinking about this, thinking about being holy, like Jesus is holy, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we should actually ask ourselves, like, why? Why would we want to do that? Um, and the reason is, is we should want to become more like Jesus and walk in his spirit because we do it all to glorify God. Not to glorify ourselves, not to have an amazing life. We do it for God's glory and his alone. Uh, the one who breathed life into our lungs, the one who formed the earth, the one who gives us our very existence, and most importantly, the one who made the ultimate sacrifice in order to be in a relationship with us. If there's anyone worthy of worship, it's God. This leads us to the third part of God's will for our life, which is to glorify him, and that simply means to praise and worship him. So God's goodness and majesty should stir our hearts to glorify him. Uh, in Psalm 63, 3-4, it says, Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. I don't know about you guys, but I want that to be like my heart's desire. Um, but I think oftentimes I get so caught up in life and I want to bring glory to myself rather than to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God with everything you have. So what does it mean to glorify God? Author John Piper explains it this way, Glorifying means feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect his greatness, that make much of God, that give evidence of the supreme greatness of all his attributes and the all-satisfying beauty of his manifold perfections. And guys, all people were created to love and worship God. That's the whole reason why we're here on earth is to bring him praise and glory. In Psalm 86, 9, it says, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Uh, a famous quote from Augustine or Augustine, there's debate on how you say the name. Um, uh, yeah, he says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. I was wondering, guys, like, have, have you ever felt restless in your heart? Have you ever felt as if life were meaningless? 
uh, yeah, the Lord wants you to look to him. He wants you to look to your heavenly father. He has created you, and he has created you with great purpose. That purpose is to love and be loved by him, glorifying you or glorifying him with your life. And through that, your soul will find rest. Okay, so now comes your little sheet on the table. Hopefully, everybody has one. Um, and you can kind of uh, sort of follow along. Uh, the sheet is kind of more of a resource guide. Um, so don't get too far ahead. Uh, stick with uh, the places that we're going to be, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, okay, so what does it mean on a practical level? How can you actually be holy like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God? Um, and I want you to see life through this lens. Uh, so we're going to start with your summer and thinking about your summer. Um, first, we'll look at how to be holy like Jesus is holy this summer. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said, if you think you can walk in holiness without keeping up perpetual fellowship with Christ, you have made a great mistake. If you would be holy, you must live close to Jesus. So thinking about that, living close to Jesus, um, yeah, in order to live close to Jesus and become more like him, it's probably important that you continue to get to know him. Um, how does one find out more about someone? You obviously spend time with them. Um, yeah, you talk with them, uh, learn about them through talking to them, uh, read about them uh, as we would read about God. Um, so, yeah, the first and very obvious one is to spend time in Scripture. Uh, we have been given God's word. When we speak, our words tell other people about us, and in the same way, uh, God's words tell us about him. So, yeah, this is where the application-y kind of part comes in. Uh, I was just curious, do you guys have a plan set for how you're going to spend time in scripture this summer. Uh, and if you don't, this is my challenge, is that you make a plan tonight. Because if you keep putting it off, you're going to have no plan. And you're going to get halfway through the summer and be like, oh, halfway through the summer, like, why bother now? So make a plan now. Um, on your sheet, there are two different uh, suggested resources, which there's so many different great Bible reading plans. but the first resource is actually on the back of the page. Uh, I came across a Bible reading plan that shows how you can get through the New Testament in 90 days, which is essentially the summer. Guys, how cool is that? You can read through the whole New Testament this summer. But if you want something different where it's not just the New Testament, because the Old Testament is obviously very important, uh, on the front of the sheet, underneath like spending time in the Word section, uh, there's a Bible reading plan that I'd never heard of before, but I came across it, and I love its name, and I read about it, and I love what it's all about. It's called the Bible reading plan for a word that we don't use often, shirkers and slackers. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I feel a lot like a slacker when it comes to spending time in God's word. So if this is you, this would be a great Bible reading plan. Uh, you wouldn't, unless you're like, 
a rock star and you want to like spend lots and lots of time in God's word every day this summer, you probably won't get through it this summer, but it would be a great starting point. Like you could start this summer and just keep on going with it and it'll probably take you through the rest of the year into next year. Um, but it's pretty cool. I wouldn't be able to tell you right off the bat exactly what it's like, but it has you in different portions of scripture and every day is a little bit different and there's like check marks um, that you can check off as you go. But they did it in a way to help you stay motivated um, that even when you miss days that you don't feel crazy far behind. But anyway, I would highly recommend, yes, if you don't even like one of those Bible reading plans, pick another one. But dude, you've got like two great Bible reading plans right in front of you, just pick one. Um, and then with that, I wanted to challenge you. I don't know about you guys, but I think I was talking with different friends this week. I think sometimes I can see scripture as like, okay, that's just something I like check off for the day and I read it and I'm not super paying attention or later that day I barely remember what I read or I'm just, I just don't have a lot of intentionality when I spend time in God's word a lot. Um, and so my recommendation is if you don't already journal while you read scripture, start the summer, like make that a habit that you form this summer and there's nothing wrong with this, but don't just like, I don't know, read scripture and be like, oh, this is what I thought, this was nice, I liked this verse. But take time to actually like ask yourself deeper questions. And I actually provided deeper questions that you can ask yourself on the back of the sheet. Um, and there's like different types of resources for that. So highly recommend that. Um, if you're feeling a little intimidated by that, ask a friend to keep you accountable and you could do it together. All right, um, let's see, where are we? Okay, um, okay, so another way to uh, grow in your holiness is to spend time in prayer, which again, probably doesn't feel like a revolutionary thought, but I bet you weren't going into your summer thinking, I wanna grow in my prayer life. But this is your chance to tell yourself that and to commit yourself to it. Um, in Mark 1, 35, it says, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Guys, if Jesus, the Son of God, prioritized praying, if he saw the need to spend time talking to God the Father, what makes us think that we don't need it? If you, if, uh, yeah, if he needed it, you need it. You need to spend time talking to God. The more we spend time talking with our Heavenly Father, the more our hearts will start to desire him and his will. And it can be so challenging uh, to build and maintain a consistent personal time of prayer with God. So you're gonna hear me saying this a lot. I challenge you, I challenge you this summer to grow in your prayer life. Um, yeah, maybe that would look like keeping a prayer journal to actually stay intentional with it. And I don't know about you, but if you're like, Pray, like if your prayer time is dedicated to like pray before bed, a lot of times we're really sleepy and we start thinking about other things or maybe you start falling asleep. Uh, so journaling would help you in this. Um, an idea would be to use the ACTS prayer model um, as you journal as a way to help remind you that prayer is much more than simply asking God for things. If you guys have never heard of the ACTS prayer model, I actually put that on your sheets of paper as well. 
Um, and there's also a lot of other resources on prayer on your sheets. Um, okay, and then the last way uh, that I want to highlight how to grow in holiness in this section is through spending time in community. Um, just think about it. Uh, Jesus spent time with others. In fact, he even had like a tight-knit group of friends. Um, they all desired to learn about God together. Uh, they had meals together. They went on adventures together. Uh, they talked about scripture together. They encouraged one another. They proclaimed the gospel together. Uh, and this is all ways that we see Jesus model discipleship and community for us. And maybe you prefer to keep to yourself. And I'm a really big introvert, so I totally get that. Uh, and alone time is really, really great. But too much alone time is actually really detrimental for your spiritual health. It's actually detrimental for all aspects of your health. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely detrimental to your spiritual health. Um, yeah, God created us to live in community. So this summer, uh, put yourself out there. Um, have like designated time to spend with friends. Um, and maybe at this point in this message, you're thinking, I'm going on summer mission. So this is like built-in community. Um, but it's going to take like intentionality um, to have deep community on summer mission. And for those of you who are going to be in Estonia, that's only the first half of your summer. So while you have time now, think about how you want to steward your summer well after Estonia. Um, yeah, and maybe just in general, you've been doing like really good with community this school year, this semester, and that's amazing. But I think, I think a lot of times we can get really lazy um, over summer break or over any type of break. Um, yeah, our desires for seclusion um, and just like pursuing what we want uh, just kind of get in the way. But I would encourage you to keep pursuing and serving the Lord um, through community. Um, and yeah, great news for those of you who will be spending the summer in the springs. Uh, yeah, as if you were here last week, you heard about it, but we're gonna have something called Summer Connect, which is essentially like a, a co-ed community group throughout the summer where they're gonna study God's word together and have community together. Um, so what a sweet way for you to have built-in community if you're here this summer. Um, and maybe some of you are here and you, you're like, I don't actually really know what I think about Christianity, um, but I like this idea of community. You should totally go to Summer Connect. Um, you're probably here for a reason. Something about this community attracted you. So you will also enjoy Summer Connect um, and getting to learn more about God and enjoying Christian community. Um, and then, yeah, as I mentioned, those of you who are going to be on Summer Mission, don't just think it's going to come super easy. Um, I think a lot of times community is like the best part about summer mission, but can also be like the hardest part about summer mission for just various reasons. You're surrounded by people all the time. And so it can, it can be really tempting to just kind of like pull back um, and not engage with people when you're tired, which obviously you need to take time to rest. But even just thinking about your plane ride there, um, especially I'm thinking like for Estonia, um, maybe try to get to know somebody like on your trip there, like start off 
right away, wanting to get to know people. Um, and even if you're going on like a stateside summer mission, I think it can be like really uh, tempting to go into it like thinking, okay, I know this one person and that's my person. And you don't give any effort to get to know anybody else. But that's like setting yourself up for summer mission failure. You need to reach out and get to know people and really push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And you're gonna be so glad at the end of the summer that you did. And then finally, for those of you who aren't going on summer mission, aren't gonna be here for Summer Connect, you're not off the hook, I have a challenge for you guys as well. Um, I think there are still ways to be connected to others um, in a way that will draw you close to the Lord. Uh, so my challenge is to reconnect with friends from back home and don't do it in, I don't know, ways that maybe you connected with people in high school. I mean, maybe you connected with people in high school in a really amazing way, um, but I think sometimes the way that we spend time with people can be like, oh, let's watch a movie together. Uh, or, I don't know, just have like more shallow conversation. But be intentional when you go back home. Like, I am sure that you had a lot of life change this past year in one way or another. Like, reach out to a friend from back home. Or maybe you're going to have a job back home and you're going to meet people. Like, reach out to the people around you. Ask to get coffee. Ask them like really intentional questions about how they've experienced their past year, like the good, the bad, and the ugly, and share with them. And maybe ask to hear their life story if you've never like, heard what their background is like and where they come from and what their life experiences have been like. I think that's a really sweet way that you can experience um, community back home. Um, but then also, uh, this is maybe gonna feel intimidating for a lot of you, but I promise, it's not scary. Uh, my, my challenge to you is that you could totally start Summer Connect back home. Um, it would probably look different than here and that's okay. But reach out to a few friends and see if they would be interested in getting together. Like it could just be one or two friends getting together at a coffee shop every week. I actually put, the, there's a little QR code on your sheet and um, it'll take you to a, uh, now I'm trying to remember the book of the Bible, Philippians? Yeah, I think it's Philippians. Uh, it'll take you to a Bible study. It's like eight weeks long, um, studying Philippians. And I looked through it. It is a super simply laid out, like easy to follow. It would be, genuinely, it would be so easy for you to lead this, um, that you could get together with friends every week and study God's word. Like what a sweet way to spend your summer and really grow um, in getting to share your faith and grow in leading something like this. So don't know how you feel about that. If you're feeling kind of iffy, you should tell somebody and they can encourage you um, and tell you how great you'd be at it. So bottom line is, no matter what you're doing this summer, I beg you, please, don't just like sleep in every morning and binge your favorite TV show late into the night. Like that is, such a crummy way to spend your summer, but I think it's like one of the most common ways that we're tempted to spend our summer. So yeah, just get out, pour into others, and be poured into by others. God has made us for community no matter what season of life you're in. Um, and then the final thing I'm gonna say is I put a book recommendation on there. Uh, it's called Find Your People, and if you 
if you're kind of sitting here and you're like, meh, like, yeah, community is great, but I actually don't really have a passion for it, I'd actually challenge you that you, as a follower of Jesus, you should have a passion for it. Um, and this book is a book that I'm almost done reading. <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to share it with you guys. Uh, I started reading this book at the beginning of the fall, and I got like halfway through, and I started to feel like pushed outside of my comfort zone like way too much. And so selfishly, I stopped reading it because I'm like, I don't want to be challenged. Uh, so I stopped reading it. And then about like two weeks ago, I needed a new book to read. And I have a really bad problem not finishing books. And I saw it on my shelf and I thought, I probably should finish this book. And so I picked it up again and I started reading it. I'm so thankful that I did because it's really, really challenged me in the way that I see community, the way that I value community. Um, and even just, yeah, the author just has such good, like, personal insight, um, like, through a biblical lens and just ways that she, like, intentionally challenges you. So if you want to be challenged, read the book. If you don't want to be challenged, you should read the book. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, as I mentioned before, going on to the middle section of your paper with the Holy Spirit, um, yeah, you can't live a holy life without being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is called our helper for a reason. We must live by the power of the Holy Spirit day by day, daily surrender to God, um, having moment by moment dependence on the Spirit. So yeah, most often, uh, kind of thinking about like being guided by the Holy Spirit, the way I think about it is most often we like grab the steering wheel of our own life and start to steer toward our own desires. Um, and yeah, a big part of this moment by moment dependence on the Lord is to live a life of repentance. Um, so when you become aware of sin in your life, surrender it to the Lord in confession and agree with God about the state of your sin and thank him for his forgiveness. Um, yeah kind of like handing back the steering wheel to him and recognizing with him, like, I'm not doing a very good job of steering my own life. Like, you are the one that should be steering. Uh, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So not only do we need to confess to God, but we also need to surrender control of our life to the Holy Spirit and rely upon him to empower us. Uh, rely on the Lord to be your source of satisfaction. Turn to his wisdom rather than your own wisdom. Your own wisdom. I think none of us without him are <laughs> have any wisdom. Uh, look to his love for your security. Find your confidence in the identity that he has given you. He provides everything you need. And if you aren't looking to him for satisfaction, you're surely going to look to something else that ultimately won't satisfy in Psalm 107.9, it says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Living by the power of the Holy Spirit is a lot easier said than done. It takes you deliberately surrendering to the Lord day by day. Uh, yeah, this whole mentality that our spirit is at odds with our flesh is just a daily reality that we live in. In Galatians 5, 16 through, 9, or 16 through 17, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to help you from doing the things you want to do. So none of us are pros at living a life surrendered to the spirit, and it won't just happen overnight. And some of us might be tempted to think, oh, I'll like work on that later, but we're not gonna be able to live holy lives as Jesus is holy if we're not relying on the spirit. Um, so use the summer to grow in your dependence on the spirit. If you wanna learn more about what it looks like to depend on the spirit, uh, we have a great resource and crew called Satisfied. Um, and I highly recommend going through it several times this summer. It could even be great to read through it at the beginning of each week to start your week off surrender to the Lord. Um, you can actually download it um, on an app called God Tools, uh, and I've included that on the summer growth page um, in front of you. And I've also put other resources on, yeah, the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so finally, uh, we were made to worship God, to bring glory to his name. And that is why we are called to live holy lives for the glory of God, not your own glory. Uh, and honestly, guys, there are so many ways that you can do this with your summer, but it takes intentionality and it will be an overflow from you being holy like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And some practical ways um, that this may look like is the first thing I thought of is, I think a lot of you are probably gonna have a job over the summer. Um, and I think it's important to work at your job for the glory of God and not for your own glory or to please other people or to just simply make money. Um, yeah, did you guys ever consider that work was a good thing created by God for his glory and our good? Um, there's a really, really great article um, that's called Theology of Work and I put it on your sheet. Um, and I would highly recommend it if you have a hard time seeing how to honor God in your work. Um, another way to glorify God is with your speech. Uh, talking with others about God and his goodness that you're experiencing in your life um, is a huge way to glorify, the God, or to glorify God. Uh, one of the most important ways that we can glorify God with our speech is by sharing the good news of Jesus. On summer missions, students will be using different spiritual conversation tools, such as solarium or perspective cards. Um, and if you guys haven't heard this, uh, those uh, like spiritual conversation tools, you can actually get digitally. Again, so many cool things digitally. Uh, they're not in the God Tools app, they're just their own apps. So if you went into your like app store and put in solarium, it would pop up. And if you went in and put in perspective cards, it would pop up. But these are really cool tools to just engage in spiritual conversation um, and get to find out where people are at and get to share your own faith with them. So I think a lot of times, like people who are familiar with these tools specifically see them as something that you do to approach a stranger and ask them questions, but they're just as helpful to start uh, spiritual conversations with people in your life. So like whether you're friends or your family, no matter where you're at this summer, you could have really cool engaging conversations with them. Uh, and then choosing to spend your free time glorifying God is huge. Um, maybe choosing books to read, um, which 
the sheets at your table. There's so many books, um, so many ways that you can further grow in your love and knowledge of the Lord. Um, and then there's even like sermons and podcasts on that list. But yeah, even like surrendering some of your time this summer to actually consume that content. But also it's important to think about our time as a precious and limited commodity. Uh, we don't have endless time here on earth as much as we would like to think we do. Um, and what, what would you guys say is like the best way to glorify God with your time? Like really think about that going into the summer because you're probably gonna have more free time uh, than you normally have in the given year. Um, so just asking, Lord, how can I glorify you with my time this summer? Maybe you need to take um, like limited time from your phone or computer um, that you actually have time, more time to spend face-to-face -face with people or um, in scripture with the Lord. Uh, and then, yeah, some of you might be thinking, I'm going on summer mission, or I'm doing something like really glorifying this summer for God, so like I've kind of got this like glorifying thing like set. But I wanted to warn you guys that even good and Christ-centered things can become selfish um, and self-centered things. So keep your hearts in check with why you're going on mission um, and surrender each day to the Lord and set your heart on glorifying him with your summer and not yourself. And yeah, just again, I know I've mentioned this before, but if you aren't going like to be here, go on summer mission, like, yeah, I think that there's still really cool ways that you can connect with people and connect with the Lord this summer. So man, just think about like, gathering friends back home and doing things together, um, having fun together, but also like studying God's word together, maybe having a book club together, like sharing this list with friends from back home or encouraging one another to walk in the spirit and grow in Christ-likeness. So yeah, when summer has come and gone and you look back on your break, maybe you'll realize that you haven't grown to be more like Christ and you haven't been empowered by the spirit and you haven't lived out your summer to glorify God. The hard truth is that essentially if that's like not true of your summer, you wasted your summer. Um, and I don't want that to be true of you guys. I want you to experience the richness and the satisfaction that comes with doing the will of your heavenly father. And yeah, I'm just so excited to see like the ways that the Lord continues to work in and through your lives this summer as you surrender to him, to grow in Christ-like holiness, to live through the power of the Holy Spirit, and to do it all, to do it all, everything for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for this night. Um, yeah, we just pray that you would transform our hearts with the way we think about our time. Um, yeah, the way that we even make decisions this summer, um, that we would be empowered by your spirit um, to be holy like Christ, all for your glory. Um, yeah, I just pray for anyone in this room that might feel uh, intimidated by going into their summer um, more open-handed toward you with their time. Um, yeah, that they would surrender it to you um, and that they would see fresh and meaningful ways um, to grow closer to you um, and stay connected to community. We love you, Lord. We pray this all in your son's name, amen.